Hey, 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 how we doing today? Yes, yes. Wow, I feel like we need to go play some basketball or something after, <laughs> after that kind of response. That's great. It is good to be with everybody. It's good to have you here. Has this not been an absolutely gorgeous weekend? Yes. Holy smokes. Who got to spend some time outside this weekend? Yes, that's where we should be. It was a beautiful weekend. So welcome everybody who is here in the room. Welcome to you who are watching online, especially those who are watching at the campground. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Last week they said they had 11 people, 11 people at the campground. That is good stuff. We're going to have a new campus at the lake. So it is, uh, it's good to have all of those guys watching uh, this morning. Uh, if you have not picked up one of these reading programs, we would certainly suggest that you do that. You can follow along with us as we are working through the book of Romans. We are almost done. We are going to be finished here in the next couple weeks. So uh, I guess pick it up and read what you missed if, you, uh, if, you, uh, if you're just uh, here for the first time. If you are here for the first time, it is awesome to have you. We are glad that you are here joining us. Uh, please be in prayer for the Broughton family. Uh, they are obviously not here this morning. Um, they were dropping off uh, Grayson and Nat, their two oldest, at college this weekend. So be in pray for, prayer for them because there's probably going to be some tears shed um, as they are begin to head north uh, today. Okay, now let's see what happens here. I am not a fan of technology. That's okay. That's a good start. That's a good start. We're living a new life. So we have also been working through a, uh, a memory verse. So would you please uh, read the memory verse along with me this morning? Here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This really stood out to me this week, um, this idea of the transformed and the renewed mind. Um, one of the main, I do a lot of counseling here, and one of the main issues that we see showing up every single week is people who are just getting their butts kicked by anxiety and depression. Good, godly people who have asked Jesus into their lives, and they're still just getting owned by anxiety. This idea of the transformed and the renewed mind, I think, is a key that can bring life and just, um, deliverance to those of us who live with anxiety if we are willing to really dig into having our minds transformed by the Holy Spirit. So I just, that, that came to my mind as I was thinking about that uh, this morning. So, okay. Well, let's move on into uh, what we have to talk about today. How many of you love roller coasters? How many of you would not go on a roller coaster if someone held a gun to your head? Okay, so that's pretty even split, pretty even split here today. I was one of you. I hated roller coasters. We grew up in, uh, in northwest Iowa, and the only thing that went high was trees. And there weren't that many of them. So uh, when we moved back here to Ohio, uh, would have been the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I went to Cedar Point for the first time as a junior in high school. So I was excited, had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, 
Have you guys been on the roller coaster up there that it goes really fast one way and then it goes really fast the other way? My stomach did not like that. And so that was the last roller coaster that I rode because I was to the bathroom. So fast forward now, after, well, after that process, I had decided that I am not a roller coaster person. Fast forward to my first youth pastor job in Salina. And uh, Brian up here is laughing because he was in that youth group uh, in Salina. He might have been on that first trip to Cedar Point. Um, as we were going around, my, my goal was to just take kids to the roller coasters and say, go, because I was not riding. Well, that worked for the first ride until these middle school kids started ridiculing me because I was too chicken to ride on these roller coasters. So I listened to that for about 15 or 20 minutes, and fine, I'll go on one, shut up after it. <laughs> do you remember those, if you've been up there, do you remember those of us that are a little older, they used to have those programs that would, had a map for the whole, the whole uh, park. Well, I had that thing, and I had it rolled up. They said... They said, this, this roller coaster will be fun. It's not, it's not all that big. So we started in line in the Magnum. <laughs> right, right. So as we start and we have our hour and a half, you know, line till we get there, I start to chew on this program. <laughs> By the time an hour and a half makes it, we are at the, we are now getting ready to get on the car, I sit down, lap belt comes on, I grab this thing, my, my program goes, because I've chewed through it, it is now in half, do you know the tick, 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 yes, that is like the dentist drill for someone who is scared of roller coasters, tick, 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 it was like five years of going up that first hill, I swear to goodness I could have reached up and give a high five to the International Space Station. We were so high. And then we started to go down. My perspective changed and I found a new love. And my new love was roller coasters. Yeah. And I realized that I am indeed a roller coaster person because then for the rest of the day it was the front car or nothing. And hands up. I what, so as I was thinking about this, um, I went from I could never do that to we're not riding any place except the front car. You know, we can talk ourselves out of some really fun and important things. You know? When fear gets involved, we can really talk ourselves out of some things that would be an absolute blessing to our hearts because I've had a bad experience, because I'm afraid of this, because, because, because. For, now, for you, it might not be roller coasters. Whatever your fears are, they can hold us back from, from lots of different things that God might call us, might desire us to get involved with. And they might seem very scary at first. So, here at New Hope, we do this thing called Equip. The purpose for Equip, it is a year-long 
discipleship program that is designed to help people walk into areas of leadership that they might not have felt like they could do before. And so we, we walk through this year-long process together and because, because our desire is that people who are serving here are healthy, are healthy spiritually, emotionally, um, psychologically. We want, we want people to, uh, to be in a very healthy place if they are going to be in a leadership position. Because we know that the weight of leading people can be and is very heavy. If we are not prepared to lead, then we have a really good chance of hurting ourselves and hurting the people that we are leading, that we are influencing. Now, some pe- sometimes you might hear people talk about a calling. Has anybody heard, ever heard anybody talk about a calling? They have a calling on their life? Well, for a lot of us who are pastors, we have this sense of calling, which means there was a point where we felt like God said, this is what I want you to do. But this is not just for pastors because God has uniquely gifted every single person here to do something. He has given every single person here a calling in their life. Now, it might be to be, um, to be uh, well, whatever, a teacher uh, in law enforcement, uh, a public servant. We, he gives us, he gives all of us a calling that he desires us to follow. It's our job to, tr- to figure out what that calling is and to understand what it is that God has called us to do. Now, we also recognize that here at, here at New Hope, we believe that, that God has uniquely gifted people to serve in lots of different areas as well. This is not just for people who are, for those of us that are on staff. There's only four of us here that are paid staff people that are doing ministry. I guarantee you that if for as many people as are coming here every week, in, week in and week out, there is no way that four people could meet the needs and to handle the ministry that is, that is handled every single week. Because we have tons of volunteers. In fact, if you are a volunteer, if you volunteer somewhere here through the year, if you are a volunteer leader somehow, I want you to just very quick stand up. Okay, look around. There's a lot of people. And this doesn't count the people that are back with the kids today. There's a lot of people every single week. Yeah, you can sit down. There's a lot of people every single week that are volunteering to make what's happening here at New Hope happen. And we are so incredibly grateful to you who are serving as volunteers because this would not work without your, without your contribution. So thank you very much for what you do, everybody who is, who is serving here. Okay, now we actually see this, this concept uh, as we jump into our passage today. So would you please open up your Bibles to the book of Romans. Uh, we are going to be in chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. Okay, now I noticed, unfortunately, I gave Pastor Tim a different version than what I am going to be reading out of. So what you're going to see up on the screens might be a little bit different um, as we're getting into this than what, than what I'm going to be reading from. So just ignore that and pretend it's the same thing. 
Okay. Uh, the, so the other thing we do is when we read Scripture together, we always stand uh, in honor of God's Word being read. So if you are able, would you please stand with me as we read Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. It says this. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard. And concerning you, my brothers and sisters, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I tried this over and over and I almost had it, Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and thus I aspire to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been hindered from coming to you, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there, by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while, but now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and, and, we are, and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things." Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on my way of you to Spain. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may, may prove acceptable to the saints." so that I may come to you in joy by the, willing, by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that during this time that you would open all of our hearts and all of our minds, all of our thoughts and all, and all of our emotions to you, that you would speak very clearly into our minds that you, would, um, that you would help us to recognize your voice and tell the difference between your voice and any other distraction that might come uh, upon us today. So please lead us through this, uh, th this next few minutes and allow us to hear uh, what you have to say to us. In your name, amen. amen. Okay. So this passage has three sections, and we're going to start our first section just in verse 14. And we see it right here. And concerning you, my brothers and sisters, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Now, what we want to really hit on in this first verse 
is what we see right here. You yourselves are full of goodness. Now, this idea of being full of goodness is is what happens when we grow, when we grow in our relationship with God. He changes us. As I am, as I'm coming closer to him, as I'm giving more of my life to him, as I'm turning over more of my desires, more of my thoughts, more of myself to him, I become changed on the inside. This is kind of what our memory verse talked about with our mind being transformed and renewed. We start thinking differently which means we're going to be able to do things differently. Because, as the, because the, the closer that I'm thinking about God's stuff, the more I'm going to be doing that is pleasing to him. And so when he says, you yourselves are full of goodness, that means a lot of their lives have been changed. God has done something in them and their actions have changed. And they are now serving him on a different level because of the goodness that is now inside of them. So that's the first part. And then he says, to be filled with all knowledge. Now, for us as believers, how do we become filled with all knowledge? Where do we go? Our Bible. That's exactly right. We go to our Bibles. Which means, if I am not in my Bibles, what am I not going to be filled with? I'm not going to be filled with all knowledge. That's right. So if I am investing time, and this is not just quality time versus quantity time. This is both. If I am investing quality and quantity time, it means I am going to be filled with all knowledge, which is going to then affect the way that I what? Think, which is then going to affect the what I do. That's exactly right. All of this happens because of, as I am growing in my relationship with God, I'm being filled with knowledge, and I'm being filled with goodness then because of the things that God is pouring into me as I'm spending time in my Bible and as I'm praying and, I, and as I am, I'm really going fast, I need to slow down. And as I, I get really excited about this stuff, and as I am operating in the spiritual disciplines, I am going to be growing in these areas. Why do I grow in these areas? Not just for me, I'm also doing it so that I am able to admonish other people. Now, to admonish just means to what? Instruct, to teach, that's it, that's it. That means that as you grow, as I grow, we need to be growing with the thought process that I am not just responsible for my own change, but I'm also responsible to be able to admonish other people. That is my responsibility. My job is to learn, not just for me, I learn so that I can pass it on to others. If we are not passing on what we are learning to others, well, if we're not learning, we're in trouble. But if we're also not passing it on to others, we are, we are skipping out on part of the amazing responsibility that God gives to each one of us, which is, and that is that our faith does not just belong to us. My faith is for you guys as well. Your faith is not just belongs to you. Your faith belongs to each other and to those who are outside of these walls who do not know Jesus. This is the whole purpose. This is is why we live our, our relationship with God here on earth, to grow and to share. Now, what does that look like here at New Hope? Well, first, okay, yeah, so this is the fill in the blank. These fill in the blanks irritate me. It is each of our responsibility to teach others what we've learned. So there's that. Okay, now what does this look like here? 
Now, some of us are going to recognize this diagram. Uh, if you have gone through Equip 1.0 or 2.0, you might be getting tired of seeing this diagram. However, we're going to do it again today. Here at New Hope, we believe that our job as pastoral staff is to train people to step into leadership positions. We want to be able to share leadership with other folks. The first step in this process of discipleship, what we call discipleship, is to learn how to lead ourselves. We cannot lead other people if we're not leading ourselves well. That's called hypocrisy. We are not supposed to do that, which means we go, so we go back to verse 14, and so we're supposed to grow in what two areas? Goodness and, and knowledge, that's right. This from a faith standpoint, this is how we learn how to lead ourselves. It is our job to spiritually feed ourselves. It's not pastor's job to feed you. It is your job to open the Bible and feed yourself. If you are feeding yourself, you are learning how better to lead yourself from God's perspective. This is our role. This is our job. Now, if I am leading myself well, the next step in this, in this responsibility is now I need to learn how to lead others. How do I learn how to lead others? I watch how Jesus leads me. As Jesus leads me, I now have a model of how to come alongside other people and help them grow. I can't take some, someone to a place that I haven't gone myself. As a parent, if you are not discipling your children, you are, you are doing them an incredible disservice. Plus, you are, you are not following what God tells us to do. As a, if you are a parent, it is your job to disciple your children. Your job. It's not Isaac's job. It's your job to disciple your children. If we're not discipling our children well, it's probably because we're not discipling ourselves well. It is our job to lead ourselves so that we can lead others. Now, now the gospel is shared. Now leadership is spread out. Now we have more and more leaders shouldering the work, God's work. This is how discipleship works. Okay, again, here at New Hope, this is how we operate. This is why, this is why we do equip. This is why we do small groups. This is why we have growth classes. We learn how to lead ourselves well, not just so that we can do more classes. We learn how to lead ourselves well so that now we can lead other people. We can share our faith with other people. Sharing our faith with other people is a responsibility. It's part of our own growth. If we are not sharing our faith with other people, we are stunting our own growth. Okay. The more we learn, the more we lead others, now we move into a new position, which is learning how to lead leaders. The first, here, here at New Hope, and this, and this works in business too. We were talking in 2.0, we were talking about this, this model is a business model, this model is a church model, this model is a life model. That the higher I go in my understanding, the, the, 
the more I learn about leading people, the more I learn about myself, the more I'm going to be able to lead other people to where I'm going. So if I'm a leader, which, and, and so really, leadership, you'd say, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a leader. I, this, that's just not me. Guess what? Leadership is one thing and one thing only. Leadership is influence. That's it. Leadership is influence. If you influence one person, you are a leader. If you have influence with one person in your life, you are a leader. So if you influence someone else who has influence with other people, what are you doing? Leading what? Leading leaders. That's right. That's it. You don't have to have a position to be a leader. Leadership is just influence. And that's it. So the further we go up the line, the more the more responsibilities that God will give to us. And the, and the, the more, more leadership-type people will see who we are, will understand what we know, so they will want to be more alongside of us to learn from us. What a cool opportunity. What a cool opportunity we have as believers to share our faith, to share what we believe, to share with other people that there is a hope beyond what they, what they might know right now. We get that opportunity if we take this process seriously. And guess what? The cool thing is, the more you grow, the more God will put you in one of those positions to be able to help other people. You don't need to figure it out on your own. All of these interesting coincidences just seem to happen at the right time to put you in a position to be a help to, some, to someone else. Really cool how that works out. And then the, and then the last step in that rung is that we l- learn to lead something like an organization. All of this process happens as we are learning, as we are growing, as we are putting ourselves in a position for God to use us in ways that we had no idea that he could. And there are lots of different examples in the scriptures where God did that with people. He trained people. They didn't need to go to business, uh, to, to business conferences. They didn't need to pay you know, $500 to go and, and watch this, uh, this, this high-powered leader lead something or listen to Tony Robbins or whoever that we listen to. God is the one who empowers. God is the one who moves us into positions to be able to lead. We just have to be willing to listen and be willing to grow. Does this make sense? Okay. Okay. Let's figure out where I'm at now. All right. So what does this have to do with scriptures? These, as we are growing in goodness and we are growing in all knowledge, we are going to be able to teach. Okay. So let's move into our next section now. And uh, it's going to be verses 15 through 29. Now, we'll see if I can do this multitask here. I'm really good at multitasking. (laughs) Okay. My family just laughed. I heard them. Okay. But I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given to me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So what we're looking at here, Paul is very aware of his calling. 
he understands his purpose. His purpose is to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. This is his purpose. He is living his life completely in focus and on purpose. The more we are growing in the knowledge of God and the more we are growing in goodness, the closer that God is going to bring us to be living on into our calling and living on purpose so that we are not being jerked this way. So I'm not, I'm not losing my attention over here. I'm not going all these different directions. One of the biggest things that I hear in counseling is people don't understand what their purpose in life is. They don't understand their calling. They don't know, they don't know uh, why they're here. This whole process that we're talking about is how we learn what our purpose is, how we learn what our calling is. The more we are being filled with all knowledge, the more we are growing in goodness, God will open up our understanding to what our calling is. So that, like the Apostle Paul, we can be living purposely every day. It's not like, why am I getting up today? I don't want to go into work. I don't want to see this person. I don't want to deal with this boss. When I recognize what my calling is, all of those things will be holy opportunities to experience God through our day. If we are living in our calling, if we don't understand what our calling is, it's like flip a coin and figure out what I got to do today. That is, not, that is not the abundant life that God calls us to. He calls us to live on purpose and on mission. This is how we learn how to live on purpose and on mission. We have people here who are not working in, on the staff at church who are incredible ministers. I'm looking at people right now who have brought others to church and I'm seeing the people that they've brought to church in here in the room today. That is living on mission. That is living on purpose. And that's what God calls us to do. Okay. All right. So uh, let's, okay, start back at verse 17. So therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Okay. So the next thing, as we are living in our calling, the next thing is to recognize what are our priorities. When I recognize what my calling is, I can now figure out what my priorities are within that calling. And that's, oh, geez, I'll just show that and it's past that. Um, I found reason for, oh, I don't even know where it's at here. Okay. When he says, anything except that Christ has accomplished through me, his priority is that he will not speak of anything except what Christ has done through him. That's his priority. Everything he does is based on that priority. That is, he is going to tell people, this is what Christ has done in me. This is what Christ has done through me. Guess what, guys? That's all of us. If we are living as ministers wherever we're at, whatever job we're at, whatever family we're at, this, is, this could be the same priority that each one of us live with. And this guy was going around planting churches everywhere. We don't have to go around and plant churches everywhere unless that's your calling. Your calling might be wherever you're at, whatever job you're at, whatever family you're at, to do exactly what he says here, to tell people what Christ has done in you and what Christ has done through you. 
That is an amazing priority that people will sit up and take notice about because nobody can say, no, that didn't happen to you. Yes, it happened to me. Nobody can say, nobody can, can, um, can say that our testimony is false if we are speaking the truth that God has done in us. Okay, so priorities, huge. Moving on, in power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as that city, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. This is another big one. As we are living out our priorities to recognize that this, take my glass off, to recognize that the signs and that there's power in signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit is available to each one of us. We can live out this power of the Holy Spirit and to see signs, and, I'm telling you guys, this happens here every week. We see this stuff happening in here every week with some of you guys. You have experienced this happening here. This happens today. This is not something that just happened 2,000 years ago or just happens on the mission field. This stuff happens now. This is available to every single one of us now. As we are growing in this relationship with God, as we are living in that goodness and all knowledge, we can walk in the same kinds of signs and wonders that he said was available back then. We can live in that. That should be normal for us. You hear that? This should be normal for us. Living in signs and wonders should be normal because this is because we serve a supernatural God. He is not world, He is not normal according to what the world says. This kind of walking in God's power should be something that we are all experiencing if we are living into our relationship with God. Every one of us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, how long you, um, or if, if, if you're not, if you have not made that, that, um, that, uh, that commitment to Jesus yet, you can have this. This is available for everybody. Okay. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Once again, he's coming back to his calling. This is, this is his calling. I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, but, but uh, to go to talk to the Gentiles, people who are not who are not believers. So he bounces back and forth, and you see this all through Romans. He bounces back and forth between his calling, priorities, calling, priorities, calling, priorities. Is that how you live your life? Do you live your life bouncing back and forth between your calling and priorities, calling or priorities, or do you tend to live in distraction? If we live in distraction, we are going to forfeit a lot of that power and a lot of those signs and wonders because our mind is off in other directions. But if we, if we are not, if we are bouncing back and forth between our calling and our priorities, that, that, this lifestyle is how we can live every day in God's power every day. Okay, for this reason... In verse 22, for this reason I have often been hindered from coming to you, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I, and 
since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while, but now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased. Okay, so he keeps going on. Um, there's really, I, I don't think that there's a spot in the New Testament that says whether Paul actually made it to Spain. I don't think there's any place in the New Testament where it says that. However, there are a couple of Jewish historians that say that, it actually, that he did. He actually made it to Spain and, and worked with some of the folks there. Whether he did or not doesn't matter. The important thing for us to consider is he had a plan. He put his plan in place. He was trying to work his plan. Knowing that our plans are, must be contingent upon whose will. Has to be contingent upon God's will. He was not so rigid to say, this is what's going to happen, and everybody better get on board with me because I'm going to get there and to heck with whatever else is going on. He was so flexible in, his, in how he lived out his calling that when God decided to say, okay, we're going to go this way for a while. He was okay with that. It is great. We, we should have a calling. We should have priorities. And it's great to make plans. But the rigidity that we can have in our plans, oftentimes because we're anxious that something isn't going to go the direction that we want to go, that rigidity has to be set aside that, because that is not from God. My, my, my mindset should be, God, this is what I want to do, but God, this is completely up to your will. God, this is the calling that I feel like you're leading me towards. God, these are the priorities that I'm going to put in place, but if my priorities are wrong, God, I need you to change that in me. God, this is the direction that I think I need to go, but God, if you want to change it, then you change it. Our, our calling and our priorities are completely contingent upon God's will. And sometimes God says, let's go this way for a while. But God, that doesn't make sense. Trust me. We need to go this way for a while. Trust me. You need to listen to this person now. Trust me. You need to go talk to this person right now. We need to be flexible within God's calling on our lives to be able to listen to what he has to say and to go where he leads, not where we're determined to go. Does that make sense? Okay. 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 Um, Sean, where did I leave off? All right, we're going to start there. In 27, that's a good spot to start. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they were indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go by way of you to Spain, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in fullness of the blessing of Christ. So we fin he finishes up. This is just a cool, Romans is a letter. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to these people in, in, uh, in Rome because he was absolutely just crazy in love with these folks. 
and he wanted, he, 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 he just cared so much about them. And so that's where a lot of this, a lot of you see in this book of Romans, like, well, what does this apply to me? Well, recognize that it's a letter. It was a letter from a guy to a church, and he's expressing his plans for them. Okay, so let's just skip all past this stuff. And as Sean already has up on the screen, it is each of our responsibility to live out our calling in God's timing, not in our own rigidity of what we think. Okay, so we move into our third section, and this is verses 30 through 33. says this, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Okay, so just read that stuff. So the third point is this. It is each of our responsibility to pray for our leaders. Now, why do we do this? Um, this? Now, this passage is not up there, so if you've got your Bibles or check on your phone, we're going to look at Acts chapter 12. Interesting passage. Um, Jesus, has, Jesus has died. He's gone to heaven, and, um, and the disciples are now, we, they're, they're the new church. They are this, this new uh, budding church, and they're dealing with a lot of, uh, a lot of persecution going on around them. And so this is, we'll pick up in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 3. He says this, And when he saw that it was pleased the Jews, and this is King Herod, he proceeded to arrest Peter, the apostle Peter, also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the, church, by the church to God. And on that very night, when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in a cell, and he struck Peter's side and roused him, saying, Get up quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, for, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And he made it out. Why do we pray for our leaders? Because there are, whether you're in a small group, whether you work someplace, if you are, where, whoever your leaders are, recognize that, that they could be under some very, very significant oppression kinds of things. Peter was under, he was arrested. They prayed for him. It was their prayers that God answered, knocked the chains off, and he walked out safe. That was because of the prayers of those who were in that church. Prayer is significant, Prayer is huge. Prayer for leaders are huge. Because recognize if, if, if there is, if whoever the leader is, whatever position they're in, they do not have their own junk 
that they're dealing with, right? Because leaders have their own junk. They're also watching over other people who have their own junk. So for a leader, it is extra important that, you, that, that we are praying for them because they are holding a lot of weight, not just their own, but also the weight of everybody they're leading. And that's your boss. That's um, that for kids. That's your parents. Be praying for your parents. Be praying for your parents. Be praying for your teachers. Pray for, pray for us. Pray for us on staff here. Pray for wherever, wherever you are, go to church. Um, if you're watching online, pray for your leaders because they need it. Um, I, th- there's, there's someone here that sends me a message almost every week. Uh, Paula over here sends me a message about every week. And I get a text from her and she tells me that she's praying for me. I will tell you the gratefulness that I feel for, for that simple little text. It probably takes her 10 seconds to type that thing up. And yet, almost every other week, I'm getting a little text from her that says, I'm praying for you. And that is so special. Be praying for each other. Be praying for leaders. Be praying. Your prayers matter. So where are you at on the pipeline? Where are you at on the pipeline? How are you leading yourself? Are you leading yourself well? I hope so. Um, Are you leading others? Are you paying attention to God's timing in your family or in your work? Or are you just plowing ahead and trusting yourself only? Who are you praying for? You know, last week, uh, Nikki did such a good job in her, in her message. Uh, she said um, that uh, we get to choose a lot of things. We get to choose whether we have peace. We get to choose whether we have joy. Jenny and I went uh, hike yesterday at uh, Cuyahoga National Forest you know, it's amazing how much prettier the scenery is when you're walking downhill. <laughs> you know? When you start going uphill, it re- <laughs> whatever was pretty before is not near as pretty now. But you know, the scenery didn't change. It was just as pretty walking downhill as it was walking uphill. We get to choose how we perceive what's going on around us. We get to choose whether life is good, whether we, whether we consider life as good or, or not. Because so much of that is our perspective. We choose. Another thing we get to choose is a life focused on ourselves or a life focused on those around us. Who God is leading, who God's leading us into their lives. You might say, I'm not a leader. You are. Leadership is influence. We all get that opportunity to influence. We learn how to lead ourselves first. Um, would, I, would, I would suggest if, uh, if you would like, uh, if, you are, if you're really not sure how to lead yourself, if there are areas of your life that you know that you are not doing well in, there's a connect card um, on the chair in front of you. I would suggest grab one of those connect cards and just write on there, um, I need to learn how to lead myself better. If you do that, and if you drop it in the teal box as you're walking out of the auditorium today, you will get a call this week. I promise you, you will get a call this week. 
and uh, you will have an invitation uh, to have someone come alongside you and help you learn how to lead yourself well. Now, if you fill that out, and if you get a call, please either answer the call or call back. A lot of times, people write down on those connect cards, I want counseling, I want, I want you know, whatever, and then we try to get a hold of, of folks, and they don't call back. It works better if we call back, because then we can help. So, um, so if that's something that would be a help to you, um, please, please uh, write that on a connect card and drop that in those teal boxes on the way out. And, we'll, and I promise you, we'll get a hold of you this week. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, uh, you are, you are, you are a God of compassion. You are a God of hope. You are a God of love. You desire us to be in that kind of an intimate relationship with you, the most intimate relationship, more intimate than any other relationship on earth because you can be inside of us. You know our thoughts, you know our feelings, and yet you are still absolutely in love with us. We are grateful that you are a God who loves us that way. And then when you show us these areas where we uh, have separated ourselves from you. You are such a gentleman in how, you, uh, in how you interact with us and how you lead us into obedience. We are grateful that you are such a gentle God because, boy, we need that. So, Father, as we, as we are moving to, into our time of communion, Lord, I pray that you would open each one of us up to sense your closeness to us to sense your desire for intimacy with us we give you our thoughts and we get we give you our emotions uh right now in your name amen